Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Today, we're looking into the hospitality industry. You might be surprised how well this sector is performing. Please welcome my first guest, Mark Woodworth, President, PKF Hospitality Research. PKF manages a database of hotel properties, income statements, and sales prices. Uh, this data provides a foundation for their e-business and their custom research services. Mark, welcome to Studio One. Michael, thanks. It's good to be back. In fact, I've been back so many times now, I'm wondering why are you inviting me, because you must know it all by now. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. No, you're an expert. We love hearing your opinions and know what's going on in the uh, hospitality market around the country. So uh, thanks for joining us. And, and speaking of that, you were just in Los Angeles, right. right, at the America's Lodging Investment Summit, which is the largest conference of its kind in the world. So what was the mood there? What were, what were people saying? Lots of happy people. Uh, very happy about a number of things, uh, starting with just the fundamentals of the industry. We think about the relationship of supply to demand and, and where that's now brought occupancy levels from the depths of the downturn really in, in 2009 to we're now back to long run average, which is a, an important milestone uh, in the industry which has returned pricing power to hotel managers. And so room rates have been going up at a very attractive clip, uh, particularly when we think about it in real uh, room rate increases, given how low inflation has been. And those strong rate growth uh, and high occupancy levels have led to some very, very attractive year-over-year -year gains in profitability. Uh, and perhaps the best news is, is that's expected to persist uh, at least for the next two, probably three years. And there's a, there's a high level of comfort and, and widespread belief that, that what I said, uh, what I just said is actually true. So, <laughs> so, uh, so lots of happy people. A lot of smiles on their faces, that's right. So how much better was the move than just last year? Uh, I, I would say there was a lot of what I just described was present a, a year ago, Michael. Um, I think probably the most noticeable difference is that liquidity uh, has now become uh, a little more prevalent in the domestic lodging industry. Uh, there are a lot more lenders at the conference this year than what we saw a year ago. They weren't hiding. They, they weren't hiding. <laughs> well, a few were, but most, most, most were not. And uh, as you would expect, they were very popular. People wanted to talk with them. And, and the terms that we're seeing on, 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 on hotel debt, mm -hmm. uh, while still uh, some might say onerous relative to what we saw back in 06 and 07, when liquidity was just arguably maybe it was too liquid, mm -hmm. um, but they're, they're certainly not as, from a borrower perspective, not, not, uh, they're better than they were a year ago. So which again, that's kind of fueling this notion of as the cycle progresses, uh, we're getting closer to a point in time where more new development deals uh, will, will be getting done. Yeah. yeah, so investors and lenders really like the sector now, don't they? They do, and again, a lot of it has to do with, with the strength of the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. uh, but I must say that, that uh, the, of the lenders that I met with uh, out in Los Angeles, uh, w without exception, the, the, when you say what's most important to you, it's the relationship. Right. It's the track record of the borrower. That's, that's, that has to be there for us to really want to understand really what is the opportunity that that borrowers, that that relationship is bringing to the table. And you spoke at the conference. I did. So what did you tell everyone? I said uh, 2014, which happens to be the year of the wooden horse in the Chinese zodiac, and so th those of you interested, look that up and see what that means. But um, it's a it's not a Trojan horse. No, no, not a Trojan horse. But it is a T year, and the T stands for terrific. Uh, and, and again, and that's really what I open my remarks with, uh, in that 
the, if we think about historically what has brought an end to the good times in the lodging industry, and that's everything from uh, an economic contraction to a stock market crash to high oil prices to bubbles bursting uh, or, or some kind of catastrophic event like a 9-11, uh, like the financial crisis we saw in 08. Um, obviously, you can't predict that last category of, 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 of what brings an end to the good time, but with respect to the first four, Again, there's no threats on the horizon, so people are are, are becoming more and more confident that the um, that the good times that we've been experiencing for three plus years now are going to persist again, at least for another two or three. Great. So, what's that doing to rates and uh, in occupancy? The um, I mentioned a minute ago that the uh, one of the key milestones is that uh, we look at long run average occupancy, and we know in studying past cycles that when the industry gets to and beyond that long-run average level, room rates really begin to power forward. Uh, scarcity becomes more of an issue uh, in, may, in, in, in many, many markets. In fact, uh, uh, it, going back to more of a fundamental approach, uh, of the 50 cities that we track very closely in our, in our uh, Hotel Horizons forecasting effort, uh, last year, according to Smith Travel Research, uh, in 44 of the 50 markets, more rooms were sold than they've ever been sold before. Uh, with uh, maybe two or three exceptions, new, new construction, new supply uh, is, is nowhere near a threat uh, to, to those markets. So again, uh, painting a picture of not only is the, uh, we think in, in, in macro terms for the industry as a whole, is the picture looking good, but in the vast majority of the major markets that, that, that make up 50 to 60 percent of the total industry, again, those fundamentals are very, very solid. You have places like New York that are going through some very significant supply increases, uh, not to the point that we think it's going to be catastrophic, uh, but you have other markets like a Washington, D.C., where yeah, there, there are some, some fairly sizable new projects coming into D.C., and there's a lot of issues now on the demand side of the equation, i.e., starting with federal government and spending and so forth. So uh, uh, that's one of the few markets where we think there actually could be a contraction this year versus a year ago. So um, I know, as you know, that it's all street corner business. So as you look at the industry and look at opportunities, you really have to understand what's, what's going on in your particular neighborhood. Yeah, and also, I guess, in the, in the sector of the hospitality industry you're in. So what do you see for performance differences between um, full-service hotels and, and maybe lesser-service hotels? One of the things that uh, is different about this particular episode that we're, we're still working our way through is that the, the higher your room rate, the better you've been doing. So i.e. luxury hotels were the first to fully recover uh, in terms of their uh, occupancies and rev pars and so forth. Conversely, economy budget properties have been the slowest to recover. Uh, what we've learned, again, that was very different about this particular uh, go around is that the demand for higher priced hotels, upper priced hotels, correlates much more closely to things like real personal income levels and corporate profits, i.e. those that have the resources to spend do. Uh, conversely, lower priced hotels that demand tends to correlate much more closely with changes in employment. And as you know, you know the whole employment side of, of the recovery has, been a, has really lagged. So that, that's hurt that lower price segment of the lodging industry. Okay, so your forecast is, is pretty rosy then. I mean, you have very little new construction still, except in some of the markets. You have improving rates in occupancy, so... And growing so profits, right? All right, so we should be all doing the Snoopy dance for the next year? 
uh, at least the next year, and, and we believe it, it uh, really is two to three years. In fact, um, uh, if, uh, if time allows, I mean, I, I, when I go to these conferences, I do like to come loaded with a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I meet people and so forth, and, and um, uh, in fact, just outside, I was talking with David Marvin, I know your next guest is going to be in here, and, and uh, I posed the question to David, uh, and that is, you know, what, what do you think the industry is going to look like in 2017, 2018? And I'll give you three choices. It's either going to be good, it's going to be bad, or it'll be average. Mm-hmm. Now, the consensus view from those that I asked uh, out in L.A. was clearly average, with a bias towards the negative. And so I'm trying to understand why is there the slight negative bias to your thinking. Uh, the consistent response to that was, well, that'll be 10 years from peak to peak, and, and uh, i.e. the last peak was in 2007, mm-hmm. and, and with respect to the hotel industry, uh, his, history says that cycle typically runs seven to ten years, much more closely to seven than ten. So we're on the long end of, of the range. So it, it, it's kind of interesting to see people's perceptions about, again, what they think the world's going to look like, primarily because if you're getting ready to build a new hotel today, you're going to be opening pretty close to that, that ten-year point in time. And so we think it has some implications about how you structure your capital stack and, and how you plan to, to move through that, that, that phase of the cycle, if in fact that arrives in we're short, we're short on the break, but with this lack of new construction that we've had overall, might we see a spike in improvements uh, this year in rates and occupancy? Or oh, we, we, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's the point now where in many markets uh, we're seeing that, that economics 101 mm-hmm. uh, principle kick in and that as prices go up, demand will go down. So because operators have been able to successfully move their room rates to a point where some travelers are saying, look, I can't afford to take a three-night trip, I'll make a two, or a two becomes a one, and so forth. So that ends up manifesting itself in slightly uh, lower occupancy, but very, very healthy price growth. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Well, we're going to have Mark back uh, in segment three, four, and five, and next we'll hear from you, Callie, with NYC. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show, and I'm Michael Bull. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate-related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, over the last several weeks, we've covered updates on all the major commercial real estate sectors. Just grab your phone, tablet, or computer, visit iTunes, or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about the hospitality industry. Please welcome my next guest, Hugh Kelly. Hugh is a PhD, PhD, a professor at NYU, and a commercial real estate consultant. He was also the 2014 chair for CRE, the Counselors of Real Estate Association. Hugh, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Michael. Well, I appreciate you being here in Studio One with us, and uh, I'd like to ask you about some of the factors related to hotel development and demand, what should listeners think about related to demand in some of the cities? Well, then think about why people visit cities, because that's why hotels exist. Uh, good hotel cities attract international visitors because they are uh, tourist destinations and business destinations. 
from around the world. Obviously, they've got great business uh, characteristics for domestic travelers as well. And they're also vacation spots for, uh, uh, for, for travelers. So cities have put all of those together, uh, tourism, domestic and international, and business travel uh, do very well. Washington, D.C., Boston, New York, San Francisco, uh, and places like Las Vegas, for example, and Miami. Because mm -hmm. you can go there for business or pleasure, right? Uh, and sometimes we're both on the same trip. <laughs> that's right. That makes it great. And then if you're going to develop uh, a hotel in a market that's missing one of those aspects, you could get in trouble, right? Well, you just need to know what you want to build. Yeah. Uh, if you're, uh, for example, in a city uh, like St. Louis or Cincinnati, uh, uh, where international travel is, is not a major factor in your market, clearly you're not going to aim at a European-style hotel. You're going to take a look at what Americans like. And so there you want reliability, uh, you want brand recognition, and you want, uh, obviously, it to be economical. Okay, that makes sense. And let's talk about boutique hotels. They seem to have really been on the rise over the last few years and uh, really popular. And for the listener that uh, may not be in the hospitality industry, first of all, what's a brief description of a boutique hotel? It's different <laughs> uh, and uh, deliberately different. Uh, when uh, the owner-operator of a boutique hotel has you walk in the door as, as a guest, he wants you to think that you are being personally served. Uh, that uh, uh, that uh, that you're going to have a unique experience that's not going to be available to someone who's going to go to a Hilton or a Marriott or or or, or one of the chain hotels. It's going to perhaps have a unique theme to it. It's going to try to get you out of your room rather than spend your time in the room so that you can mix and mingle with other creative type uh, people, the kinds of people that you want to be rubbing elbows with. Okay, and then sometimes I see they're kind of, sometimes they're in historic buildings or maybe smaller buildings than you think of with the grand hotels, right? It's, it's a way to differentiate yourself. Right. Also, if you have a, a hotel that's 135, 150, 170 rooms, then you can provide the level of personal service that you can't in a much larger facility. Right. And what are some of the other features of these boutique hotels that are making them popular? Well, we talked uh, uh, about 24-hour city is on another show, uh, and it is a, certainly a 24-hour uh, uh, experience. Uh, the uh, hotel provides its services, its meals, its concierge service, uh, and all of the other uh, hotel facilities are going to be open around the clock. So on your schedule, when you want to go down to the pool or you want to go down to the health club, it's open and available to you. No, that's great. I was at a hotel a couple of weeks ago, and the, the uh, hot tub, the spa area, was closed after 11. I'm like, well, why? I may have just flown in here at 11. That doesn't make sense. It's, it's true. Well, you were looking for a boutique. That's right. And speaking of flying, uh, how is the airline industry and air travel affecting the hotel industry these days? You know, uh, air travel has become like Greyhound. Yeah. Uh, you're crowded. You're, uh, you're a commodity. So when you arrive at your destination, you want to be pampered more. Uh, if you're a, a business person, you want to get right down to business if you, if you can. So immediate uh, free Wi-Fi access is very, uh, very important. Uh, things that used to be extra charges in hotels now are, are, are provided amenities. Of course, that's reflected in the room rate. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, you want a comfortable place uh, to work. And if you're traveling with your family, you want it to be a family-friendly hotel, you know, something that's going to have something for the kids, something that's where it's going to be safe for you as parents to leave the kids alone for a little while on their activities. So all of those things, uh, I think, flow from the fact that the travel experience itself, getting to the hotel, is not so great. The hotel has to be much better. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And you know, the hotel industry has been doing well, as we've heard uh, on the show today. So what about the debt market? Uh, how's the debt and financing available for existing hotels and new development today? Uh, you've heard the term skin in the game. Yeah. Skin in the game is the story for, uh, for hotels, which are very volatile uh, uh, property type. Uh, uh, so uh, if you're going to be looking for a hotel lending, you're going to be looking at a loan-to-value ratio of somewhere around 60%. That means you're going to have to have private equity helping you out on that. Uh, uh, the rates are pretty good, 6.5% uh, uh, mortgage constant. That's not too bad. Uh, uh, hotels uh, provide some positive leverage because their cap rates are up around seven and a quarter, seven and a half percent. So uh, they're good. They're good investments, but they're cautious investments because of the risks that are involved. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's uh, I guess it is a little easier than some of the property types that uh, may be trailing like retail. I mean, the uh, the signs have all been good for hotels. That's that's true. And part of the reason is is that uh, the hotel operator can make a difference. Uh, you know, for institutional investors, they are, are concerned about you know purely statistical measures of how you measure uh, risk and reward in the, in, uh, in an asset. But for hotels, if you're a good operator, you can actually manage your rates, you can manage your occupancy on a daily on a daily basis, and uh, and maximize your cash flow uh, that that uh, uh, that way. So you're not totally at the mercy of uh, of cycles. You can make day by day by day adjustments in the way you run your business because after all your lease lasts for one night yeah yeah that's interesting and that makes it that makes it a little different than some of the other major asset classes what are a few other things that make uh, investing in hotels different than uh, this say office or retail hotels are as much a business as they are real estate so you need to uh, to match the skills of, uh, of an excellent operator uh, uh, with uh, with the skills of, of being a real estate investor. That's why the flagging of hotels is so, so critical. Because in, in, in effect, as an investor, you're renting the name and the expertise of a chain that is doing business, has worldwide reservations and worldwide advertising that's gonna ben benefit your facility. And, and you realize it's a business when you visit these hotels, right? When, when, when you go to have a great experience at one and you go to the same real estate and you have a bad experience, it's about the people and the way they're running the business. Isn't it's, it? uh, it's true. And they know a lot about you when you arrive. Mm -hmm. If you're a frequent visitor, uh, they've got a, a profile and will provide the daily newspaper that you prefer uh, and the amenity that you prefer uh, because they know who you are. That's great. Well, they'll know I like Captain and Coke when I get to the bar then, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Hugh, thanks for joining us today. We Thank you, Michael. It. All right, stay tuned. We have more on the hospitality industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262.
Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some great shows coming up for you. Next week, we'll cover crowdfunding, and the week after that, we'll look at mixed-use developments. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're discussing the hospitality industry. Welcome back, Mark Woodworth with PKF Research, hospitality research firm. Also, please welcome David Marvin to the show. David is the founder and president of Legacy Property Group. With more than 100 years of combined real estate experience, Legacy Property Group has developed and managed innovative projects in senior housing, retail, residential, mixed use, and hospitality. David, thanks for joining us today. Michael, it's a pleasure. Well, we appreciate you being here. And we've heard that the hospitality industry is doing well, and you have full service hotels, limited service hotels. What are you seeing and how is it different than, than maybe a year ago? Well, I think the outlook is very strong. I, I, I'd echo the comments that uh, Mark Woodworth made the, uh, in, in the last segment. Uh, what we're seeing in our properties was strong growth in 2012, growth in 2013, and, and very uh, favorable indications for 2014. So as demand has bounced back, uh, it's driving revenue and bottom line because this cycle has really curtailed new supply. And so absolute number of rooms being sold is up, and that ultimately is driving rate occupancy and rev bar. That's good news. Well, what are some trends in the industry that, that might surprise some people, Mark? Well, one, that actually I'd like to get David's uh, reaction to, because as, as you know, I sit behind my desk and play with numbers all day, using the real world, making it happen. But um, uh, if we think about different locations around the country, you know, resort, small town, highway, airport, et cetera, uh, one category, and that's urban hotels, is now performing at record occupancy levels. It's never been this high before. Uh, which in and of itself is surprising, but it's particularly surprising when, you, when one realizes that the one type of traveler that's yet to recover from the downturn is the group meeting attendee. Uh, and so you've got one of your core constituent groups that's not fully back, but yet we're at record occupancy levels. So you know, I have some theories as to why that might be, but David, I'm just interested. What are you, what are you seeing in your, in your urban properties and, 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 and that customer mix and, and uh, who's replacing the group, in fact, if that is what's happening? and, and you know, why is it? Right. Well, it's a great question. We're, we're seeing group is down, but they're being replaced and we're opening inventory to leisure and to corporate travelers. And I think the real new news relates to leisure and the fact that many Americans and international travelers are seeking urban experiences uh, for their vacations. Uh, in some instances, it's been budget driven have a staycation, not get on a plane, but drive to a local market. Uh, but I think that urban offerings now are becoming much more interesting uh, to the vacationing public, to the leisure public. Uh, there's an aggregation of new attractions and cultural facilities. So uh, the good news is it, it's counteracting and in fact uh, eclipsing the decline in the other segment, the group segment that's uh, still waiting to recover. When's group going to come back? Well, we, from the survey work that we've done, it's, it's, it's coming back as we speak. Again, it's going to vary from market to market, but uh, the, the lead times that meeting planners uh, now realize they have to, to live with uh, are beginning to slowly stretch out. 
So I think it, 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 it pretends a very interesting situation where you, again, you're at record occupancy levels, but now you're in the happy spot of saying, I'm going to replace these customers with, with what I would expect to be a higher priced or higher price paying consumer, which again is going to continue to drive that rate and, and, uh, and drive profits. Okay. So it's not all rosy out there. I'm sure, sure there's some challenges in the industry. So, so what are the challenges you're having to overcome today, Dave? Well, I think that I think that the labor market is is a great concern. I I, I think just plain managing people and the numbers of people that come to the hospitality world that it requires to run a hotel makes it very labor intensive. And so rumblings of uh, minimum rate wage increases, Obamacare concerns have direct impact on the hospitality industry. And uh, we've wrung out an awful lot of the inefficiencies in the hotel management world over the last couple of, couple of years as we managed around uh, the challenges of the recession. And so there isn't a lot more slack to give in other areas, and I'm afraid, afraid some of these labor headwinds are going to affect bottom line. And if I could add to that, I mean, in a typical hotel, 45, 46% of all expenses are labor and related costs. So it's by far the largest single category. And you're right, there's a lot of upward pressure now on, uh, on what those numbers are actually gonna be. And is that maybe an increase in cost of 10% or 5%? How major is it? We'll find out when we get back. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll have more on the hospitality market when we get it back. Thank you. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bohm. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We invited you to check out the Commercial Real Estate Show on YouTube. That's right, you'll find a great selection of videos like Reese on Real Estate and the Fed's view of commercial real estate. You're invited to subscribe so you don't miss a show of special interest to you. Just visit YouTube and search for the channel Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're discussing the hospitality industry. My guests are David Marvin with Legacy Property Group and Mark Woodwork with PKF Research. And Mark, I'd like to ask you about transaction activity and cap rates. Uh, has it really heated up? What do you see? Uh, transaction levels are up. Uh, we think they'll be even greater in 2014. Uh, cap rates overall are, are holding steady, which you, you may find a little bit surprising because you would normally expect there to be some kind of downward pressure on that as, as transaction activity picks up. Uh, the reason we say that, if you think about the, the really the three drivers of cap rate change, and you have uh, underlying interest rates, uh, income growth, uh, and volatility, in reverse order, volatility, i.e. new construction in our business, um, is not a threat in the vast majority of markets. Uh, hotel profits, as we talked about earlier, are growing at a very attractive clip, and I think the marketplace believes uh, with a lot of comfort that that's going to persist for at least another couple of years, perhaps more. Uh, and the third is interest rates. So now, Michael, I'll ask you, where are interest rates going? <laughs> They're going to rise. They're going to rise. Well, I think, and most people comfortably believe yeah. they are. In fact, they've gone up 120, 130 basis points over the past year. Mm -hmm. So the question really becomes how much. Yeah. Um, 
our own, uh, and we rely on Moody's Analytics and their economic outlook, but our own cap rate forecasts um, do see hotel cap rates pretty much staying flat for another year or two, even though uh, uh, treasuries are going to be, be lifting another uh, 100 plus basis points, we think, over the next six quarters, uh, at least Moody's does and so forth. Uh, but we think that the profit growth is going to be enough to overcome the lift in the, the underlying treasury rate, such that cap rates overall uh, stay relatively flat. Most importantly, if we look at the risk premium that the market assigns to hotels, which reached its narrowest point back in the third quarter of 07, remember the good days back then before the bottom fell out, we think that important point in the cycle is going to come back probably in the third quarter of 2016. So this notion that I think investors today have a lot of comfort that we got a nice two, three year run and so it's a good time to be putting capital uh, into hotels. So it's a time, good time to buy a hotel? I think it's a great time to buy a hotel. Right. And can you give us some sample cap rates that you're seeing on some sample properties? Boy, uh, it's it's real hard question to answer yeah. because it, 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 it depends on the property. It depends. My favorite answer is it depends. Right? <laughs> right. So, um, it, it really does depend on the property and yeah. is it a turnaround situation or are you yeah. buying into a stable income stream yeah. and so yeah. forth. But, but, but uh, uh, with the vast majority of property types, it's certainly a single digit number. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you see that number get down into the, you know, the five, six range uh, mm -hmm. depending upon the asset involved. Okay. So is it time to build a hotel? I think you should ask David Marvin that question. <laughs> David, you're building a full-service hotel, right? Well, we just we just opened a full-service embassy suites yeah. in Tennessee, and uh, and are currently building a full-service Hyatt in Atlanta, Georgia. So, uh, is it a good time? You know, I think that it's a I think it's a good time. It's been a good time to get going with projects like that, given the cycle. The challenge, of course, uh, was to make sense of a full-service hotel given uh, their reputation for not returning as high a margin as limited service and the lack of available capital but uh, in in our two cases we found institutional or high net worth uh, individuals who had a very forward look and uh, agreed that this was a terrific time to invest so we're delivered in one case in 2013 and, and uh, in, in another case 2014 and I think the investor is going to do extremely well. We're also uh, planning two more developments, uh, one a limited service hotel and, a, and another is a, a full service hotel addition and we're optimistic about that but in each case it's a very special circumstance. Uh, it's it's uh, very palpable uh, latent demand that we think we'll be able to tap with those projects, uh, high barriers to entry so that if we're successful competition can't come on our heels, and uh, accretive to other investments in the area. Hey, you know, I was going to say, Michael, I think David, not to make you feel good necessarily, but David's ahead of the curve, uh, mm -hmm. from, and we were fortunate we work all around the country with de developers trying to get deals done. And I would say we're still very much in that part of the cycle where what David just described is more of the exception than the rule in most markets. Um, what we are seeing an awful lot of more public-private deals, where you have municipal entities that are recognizing that for the greater good it would be nice to have a full-service hotel, but yet the economics don't work. So they're stepping up to the plate typically uh, by taking an ownership stake uh, in either the entire project or at least a financing stake, uh, or just the meetings component itself, which as David knows, I mean, is that 
tends to be some of the more expensive components of a full-service development. So we're seeing lots of public-private deals uh, being explored around the country right now. Okay. Now, what are some aspects that an investor or builder should, developer should look at for, for the right location? Are there certain key things that maybe they, the listener might not think about? You know, I, I, I think it's all about demand generators and making sure that you can fill that hotel and that there's a healthy uh, imbalance between existing supply and that demand that you've identified, that there's a need. And it's not, uh, it's not a future need that you hope materializes unless it's a very special circumstance. It's, it's a very uh, tangible need that, that you can understand and that you in turn can explain to lenders and investors. And make it come true. <laughs> right, it's interesting because you see these boutique hotels and all these different types of hotels. So you think, you know, uh, on the outside looking in, you might think, well, it looks like they're, they're having problems. Well, maybe a boutique hotel or some other type of hotel can do well, right? And you're, and, and that's what you guys are figuring out when you're developing these hotels, right? Yeah, maybe we can expand on that in the next segment because I, I do have some thoughts I want to add to what David said. All right, we'll be right back. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, we're excited to announce a new service on the show. It's called Ask Michael Bull. Every business day, I answer a listener's question on video. You can check it out at the Twitter account, Ask Michael Bull, or on our YouTube channel, Commercial Real Estate Show. Well, today we're discussing the hospitality industry. My guests are David Marvin and Mark Woodworth. And Mark, we talked about boutique hotels before the break. How do they fit in the mix uh, of demand? That's one of the fastest growing categories uh, in our industry, Michael, and it's, and it's really demonstrated uh, a critical point when underwriting a, a new project uh, in any market. And that is uh, conceptually, I'm gonna get my business from two general sources. Demand that's new to that particular market comes through organic growth, uh, or I'm gonna take it away from someone else's food off of, of someone else's plate. So understanding how much of your business is gonna likely to come from each category and what, how do I have to brand or, or amenitize my hotel to optimize that is, is critical to a successful deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Dave, what makes owning and investing in hotels different than other real estate assets? Well, I think the age-old answer is it's half operating business, half real estate. And with regard to the operating business, there's some components that include uh, brand affiliation, which is often the case, not the case, with boutiques. Um, and then just the, the, the arms and legs and managing uh, the guests as they come. I, I have uh, observed that our hotel staff sees the best of humanity and the worst of humanity <laughs> and has to do a great job managing both. So it's a very active business. It's not a passive real estate. And it's interesting based on the other asset classes that your income can change daily. You know, you don't have long leases. So your, your markets can move pretty quickly at times, especially on individual assets, right? Well, you know, that's the good news and the bad news. So, you know, I think the hotel industry has rebounded uh, f fairly nicely. And I think that there's landlords in the office world that have 
written long-term leases, uh, maybe at, at, a, at a low point in the market that are going to have to live with those rates for a long time. So it is more volatile, uh, but the hotel industry can adjust certain cost factors such as labor and staffing uh, to, to comport with what the market is in the moment. So, What are some tips to help operations in a hotel? What what increases the income and the occupancy at a hotel on its own merits? Well, I, I would say do everything that you can reasonably do to uh, build customer loyalty and satisfaction because the customer who comes back is a customer uh, that is the, the acquisition cost for the return is very low and uh, that often is a customer that spends a lot of money. So a great way to build business, to state the obvious, is to do what you can do to, to make the customers happy. That's product, uh, that's the appointments in the room, that's the amenities and features and other attributes of the real estate, but first and foremost it's the customer experience in terms of dealing with your staff. And so I think preaching the right culture to your management organization, one of uh, devotion to customer satisfaction is the key. Yeah, I think that's a real key. As a, as a customer myself, I know it makes a, a big difference. Mark, you got a closing quick tip for our listeners? Uh, usually, uh, back when I was in operations, I would instruct people, if they saw someone like you coming, to be careful. Right? <laughs> be careful. No, you'd be in the VIP category. No, I would yeah. just really underscore what David just said. And I think, I think uh, in a very simplistic way, it's not unique to hotels, but fundamentally, do for your customers, your clients, what you tell them. You're going to do what they expect to have done, and you're going to be well ahead of well, the game. Well, it's a service business, so make sure the service is what it needs to be. Well said, David. Mark, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. For more information from David Marvin with Legacy Properties, visit LegacyProperty.com. And for Mark, PKF Research, visit PKFC.com. Well, can you join us next week? I hope so. We'll be talking about new ways to raise money and invest in commercial real estate through crowdfunding. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Atlanta Office Liquidators, new and used furniture liquidators, France Media, publications and conferences, and Bull Realty Commercial Brokerage, a great place to do business. For more information on these companies or to access additional podcasts, videos, or blogs, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.